good to be in God's house, good to feel God's presence. Are we going to follow Him today? Are we going to follow Him today? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. All right, I don't want to preach too long this morning, but if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to the book of Psalm. Book of Psalms, Psalm. I want to go to Psalm 68. Psalm 68 and verse 19. I'm just going to get my word. Psalm 68 verse 19. Say amen when you're there. It's one of those great verses in the Bible. I don't think you can read it without a smile on your face. So as we read it, put a smile on your face. Let's read it. Psalm 68, verse 19. Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Selah. Praise the Lord. I want to preach to you for just a few minutes this morning on a generous God. Turn to the person next to you say, a generous God. Amen. Our God is a generous God. Generous means a readiness to give more of something above and beyond what is necessary or even expected. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul writes and says, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Amen. Our God goes above and beyond because He is a generous God. He is a good God. God. Psalm 33 and verse 5 says, The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 34 and verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 107 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. But the word good still does not even come close to describing our God. A.W. Tozer once said, The goodness of God is infinitely more wonderful than we will ever be able to comprehend. Turn to the person next to you and say, Our God is a good God. There are no words really to describe our God. Now, words fail when we begin to consider the goodness of God. Our loftiest ideals and our greatest thoughts as humanity still fade into insignificance and we stop and consider how good and how generous our God is. Amen. But while we may not be able to wrap our minds around just how good God is to us, we can stop and consider some of the ways in which God is good to us. You know, David wrote in our text, he said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. The word Selah it means to stop and think about what I've just said. I heard one preacher say it means to say, just think about it. 
David, as he's writing this, he's just getting excited. He's like, just think about it, about how good our God is. I want to brag on God a little bit this morning because we serve a good God. And sometimes in the middle of everything that's going on in life and circumstances and family and situations and struggles and bills to pay, we can lose sight of the fact that our God is good to us. Our God is generous to us. And throughout this psalm, there's a few different ways. The psalmist explains that God is good to us, the benefits that he gives us. The first one I want to share with you is found in verse 1 of Psalm 68. The psalmist starts his psalm with these words, Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. Our God is a good and generous God because he gives us the victory. Can I tell somebody today that God is on our side? He's not like other gods who are afar away. He is not disinterested in our lives, but God is on our side. Our God fights our battles for us. When things seem hopeless, when we don't know the direction to take, when we're not sure what tomorrow holds, our God stands next to us and fights on our behalf and gives us the victory. You know, when you think, think about the story of David and Goliath, you know, just, just picture the contrast. Silah, just think about it, right? Picture the contrast. David is this little boy who's like 16, 17 years old maybe. You know, he's so skinny, you turn sideways, he disappears, right? He's got no meat on him, and he's up against Goliath. Right? And Goliath is this man of war from his youth. This guy has got a helmet. He's got a shield. He's got a sword. He's got a spear. He's got an armor bearer before him. But David squares up to that massive giant of a man. And, you know, he turns around and he says, This battle, this battle's the Lord's. It's not my battle. It's the Lord's battle. And he is going to give you into my hands. Why? Because David understood that the battle is the Lord's and He will give us the victory. You know, it's like Hezekiah. Just think about it. Hezekiah is in Jerusalem with the people of Israel and Sennacherib, the king of the Assyrian Empire, the mighty Assyrian Empire who surrounded all the areas around him. Every village, every city has fallen. And now Sennacherib's armies are encamped around Jerusalem and the people are getting afraid and the people are getting scared. But Hezekiah stands up. He says, you know what? They've got the arm of flesh on their side. Yep, they've got the armies. They've got the chariots. They've got the horses. They've got the catapults. They've got the arm of flesh. But Hezekiah goes on to say, with us is the Lord our God to help us. Amen. And the Bible tells us, that the people rested in the words of Hezekiah. He knew that God was going to give them the victory because He is a generous God. Turn to the person next to you. Say, He's a generous God. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven tells us, even in the face of death, 
This mortal shall one day put on immortality. This corruption shall one day put on incorruption. Amen. And the greatest enemy that mankind has ever faced will still be powerless against my God. Amen. Our God gives us the victory. He is a generous God. Do you believe it this morning? Can I tell somebody today that God is not interested in you failing? He is not interested in seeing you live a defeated life. God is on your side. He will fight on your behalf. Amen. That's why when I wake up in the morning, I don't wake up wondering how I'm going to make it through. But I wake up knowing that God is on my side. And it doesn't matter what the day might bring. I have not earned the victory. I don't deserve the victory. I'm not going to make it because I will my way through a difficult situation. But I serve a generous God who promises me that He will give us the victory. Someone ought to shout hallelujah right now. We serve a generous God and He gives us the victory. As we move on in Psalm 68, verse 5, David, as he is going through all these benefits that he was talking about in verse 19, David says this, He says, God is a father, in verse 5, of the fatherless, and a judge of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which were bound with chains. Amen. You know, our God gives us family. He gives us relationship. He gives us the church. Amen. What a generous God we serve. You know, can I tell you, there is no doubt. You have to have your head buried under a rock to not know that the world is hurting right now. People are alone. People are separated from loved ones. People have never been more concerned today about the future than any other time in the history. And yet, look around us. Look around right now around what we've got here in the middle Of all this uncertainty, we are surrounded by family, by the family of God. And we have a relationship with our heavenly Father, a Father who knows us. He sets the solitary in families. Kurt Thompson, in his book, The Anatomy of the Soul, he says, The process of being known is the vessel in which our lives are kneaded and molded, lanced or cut and suited or or stitched up, confronted and comforted, bringing God's new creation closer to its fullness in preparation for the return of the King. We are put together in family and we have a God who wants to know us. I don't think you realize how incredible that is. This is a God who wants to know everything about us. He loves us so much and He is so generous and He is so good that every floor and every talent, 
every imperfection and every strength. When we say that God is a father to the fatherless, we are saying that He is a God in a relationship that you can trust in and that you can rely on. It is an open and a transparent relationship. God knows every part of your heart, every part of your mind, every mistake you've ever made, every brilliant thing you've ever done, every mistake you're ever going to make, every brilliant thing you're ever going to do. God already knows it all. And here is the kicker. He does not change His opinion about you. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a generous God. You know, I look at the mistakes I've made in my life, and heaven forbid, I look at them and think about the mistakes I might make in the future. I look at the way I mess up, and God still loves me. God still cares for me. God still wants to be in a relationship with me. God still knows me. He still has a plan and a purpose for my life. Like we talked about in life class, failure is not fatal. It's only fatal if we decide we don't want to live for God anymore. But He, on His part... He is a generous God. Amen. He is a good Father. James chapter 1 and verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know, and, and here's the other beautiful thing about the generous God that we have who has brought us together not only do we have a relationship with God, but, but we have a relationship with one another? You know, there are times when I can step into this place and I'm feeling down and I'm feeling a little downcast and a little stressed out and whatever. But when I come into this place and with my brothers and my sisters around me, we begin to lift our hands and we begin to worship God. And a beautiful spirit begins to take over and sweep into our hearts. Amen. You know, we can lift one another up. We can care for one one another we can support one another we used to sing an old song you know you're my brother you're my sister so take me by the hand amen together we will work until he comes amen God has put us together for his purpose to lift up one another to support one another to care for one another amen he is a generous God hallelujah this is why the writer of Hebrews wrote, he said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. We encourage one another. We build one another up by being in church, by lifting our hands, by putting our arms around our brother, our sister, saying, hey, I'm here for you. We're going to worship God together. We're going to feel our dad's presence. It's going to be amazing. Our God is a generous God. Amen. Just think about it. It's what David's asking us to do. Sila. Just think about it. As David continues in Psalm 68, detailing all the benefits that he sees from his God and our God. In verse 9, he writes this, Thou, O God, did send a plentiful rain, whereby thou didst confirm thine inheritance. When it was weary. You know, our God is a generous God because He gives us strength. He gives us strength. Oh, we serve a good God. You know, in the Bible there where it says inheritance, 
the verse, it means his people, you know, God sent a plentiful rain, wherefore that does confirm your people. He's saying, I'm confirming that you are my people. You know, this verse is saying that God gives us what we need, not just to remind us that, hey, you're my child. Hey, you're my loved ones. But he does it simply because we are, not because we're begging him, not because we have to beg him, but he does it just because he can, because he is a generous God. And when we are weary and when we are running out of strength, the Bible tells me that God is, is our source of strength. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 says, I can do all things uh, through Christ uh, who strengthens me. Amen. Psalm 27 verse 1, the Bible says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Uh, of whom shall I be afraid? Amen. And one of my favorite scriptures, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint I don't know if you quite grasp the picture there do you know let me just give you a little fact here do you know eagles have been known to stay in the air for five hours without flapping their wings once they're not like a little seagull that has to flap furiously just to get to the chip. No, no, no. They will stay up there for hours and hours and hours using what? The wind. Oh, it's not their strength. It's the wind. And when we begin to spread our wings in the presence of the Lord and God's Spirit begins to lift us and strength begins to flow and things begin to happen in our life, we recognize, yeah, I got my wings out, but I'm not working for this. I didn't earn it. I I didn't deserve it, but Jesus gives me strength. Amen. He gives us strength. Our God is a generous God. There is a strength that God gives us for our journey because He is a generous God. You know the other beautiful thing about this whole thing about God giving us strength is that when we are weary, He is strong. When we feel like we can't go on, when we feel like we're giving up, when we feel like we're out of strength, you know, in the flesh... Let me just talk about in the flesh right now. When one of our brothers or our sisters says, Oh, I can't do it anymore. I'm struggling. I'm weary. I don't know what to do. Amen. A non-Christian person, someone who doesn't understand the strength of the Lord, is probably going to say something like, Just suck it up and keep on going. No, 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 no. But what we understand is even though we are weary, even though we are weak, even though we don't know the answer, even though we can't really seem to put one foot in front of the other, there is still a God who... Who loves us enough. He's not going to leave you there. He's not going to say suck it up. He's not going to say come on pull your bootlaces up and let's go. No he's going to lift you up. And he's going to sustain you. And he's going to give you strength. Amen. We serve a generous God. Amen. He confirms that we are his inheritance. Even when we are weak. Isaiah 43. 19 and verse 20, it says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Why? To give drink to 
my people, my chosen, my friends. When we are in the deserts of life, we might be in the deserts of life because of what somebody did to us. We might be in the deserts of life because of life circumstances. We might be in the deserts of life because we put ourselves in there. None of that changes the fact that our God will still provide strength. Our God will still provide sustenance. Our God will still provide the source of life for us. Our God is still in a relationship with us because He is a generous God. Amen. He's a good God. He's the lifter of our head. He's our shield and our defense. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Just think about it. Silah. He's a generous God. He's a generous God. We get down in the mully grub sometimes because I think we take our eyes off of God. And we focus on what's going on around. But if we could just lift our eyes to how good God is to us. Change our focus. And there's many, many other reasons. But let me deal with another one this morning. Where we read in verse 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Psalm 68. Even the God of our salvation. Verse 20, He that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto God the Lord belongs the issues from death. You know, Charles Kingsley was a man who lived around the end of the 1800s. He said this, Whatever may be the mysteries of life and death, there is one mystery which the cross of Christ reveals to us. And that is the infinite and absolute goodness of God. Let all the rest remain a mystery, so long as the mystery of the cross of Christ gives us faith for the rest. Amen? Focus on me. If we have never noticed anything else about the goodness of God, my friends, let us lift our eyes to a time, a time where Romans tells us that when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps or peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Someone say it. He is a generous God. Amen. The plan of salvation is based solely on God's goodness towards us, His generosity towards creation. When John, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and with an understanding of who God was as a Jewish man, wrote, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Verse 14, this God that John is talking about, John goes on to say, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If you hear nothing else from me today, understand God loves you so much that He was willing to go to Calvary for you. Nothing would ever state the generosity 
simplicity of Christ than looking at the cross of Calvary when we didn't deserve it, when we didn't earn it, when we couldn't save ourselves, when sin bound us, when we were hopeless, when we were bound, when we didn't know which way to turn. Jesus said, I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to solve the sin problem. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7 that he humbled himself and made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. Amen. What a generous God we serve. What a generous God we serve. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And so then the response is, because I don't know about you. I don't know about you. Look at this way. Okay, look at me. That's it. Don't worry about what's going on back there. They're fine. I don't know about you, but when I come face to face with how good God is in my life, when I come face to face with the fact that it is He who gives me strength, it is He who saved me, it is He who sustains me, it is He who has given me a relationship with Him and with His family, amen. It is He who fights my battles for me and gives me victory. When I come face to face, I come to the same conclusion that David did in verses 3 and 4. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. You get the idea? David can't contain it. He's so excited. I've got to exceedingly rejoice. He says in verse 4, Sing unto God. Sing praises to His name. Extol Him that rides upon the heavens by His name Yahweh. And rejoice before Him. Hallelujah. To see the goodness of God and to recognize His generosity in your life is to get a clear view of God's heart. And when I see God's heart, I see that He loves me. I see that He cares for me. And that makes me want to rejoice. It makes me want to shout. It makes me want to live for Him. It makes me want to serve Him. It makes me want to give for Him. Hallelujah. It's a generous God. He's a generous God. And in observing the generosity of God in our life, my friends, we come face to face with a God who loves us far more than we can even imagine. A God who cares for us far more than we could ever dream. Amen. And a God who wants the very best for us. Is it any wonder then that David's response was what it was? I'm going to rejoice before God exceedingly rejoice before God I want to sing I want to sing praises to God I want to do everything my heart rejoices I want to sing I want to worship I want to dance I want to clap I want to shout hallelujah I want to scream because God has been so good to me hallelujah but more than that I want to serve him Because if God is so good to me, if He is so generous, and this is just just a few things that David pulled out in his psalm. But there's hundreds of more things that God gives us and does for us. You know, there's there's things we're not even going to know until we get to this side, the other side of eternity. 
we get to be around the throne and we talk to Jesus, he's going to say, hey, by the way, you know, this was going to happen, but I kind of directed your steps away from that. He's a good God. But more than just worshiping and praising Him, I want to serve Him. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, another gift from our generous God is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Man, that God would want to dwell in my heart. That God would want to dwell in your heart. Man, I've messed up so many times. He still wants to be in my heart. Man, if I was the landlord and my tenant treated me the way I've treated God sometimes, I would have booted him out ages ago. Hey, let's be real right now. None of us are perfect. We've made mistakes, but God still promises the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And not only in this verse, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, but the hope of glory. Understanding that one day we will be in heaven. That he is coming back to his church, but let's get on track. Mystery among the Gentiles, verse 27, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach. Because we have been filled with the Spirit, because we have a generous God, because we have the hope of glory, God, we preach, we preach Jesus, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or complete in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to His working which works in me mightily. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, my God is so generous. He's so good. He's given me the hope of glory. He's working in my life. He's transforming me. I'm sanctified. I'm justified. I'm redeemed. I'm washed. I'm cleansed. But I'm not going to sit back and just say, thank you, Jesus. That was really wonderful. No, it's going to make a difference in my life. I'm going to reach people. I'm going to share with people. I'm going to talk to people about how good God is and how God wants to be good to them as well. Amen. There is something within me, and I pray that there is something that's within you that propels you forward to share this generous God with everybody that we can because He is a good God. Why don't we all stand this morning? We serve a good God. We serve a generous God. And there are just not words to explain it. Yeah. You know, can I can I just be real for a second? I think we completely misunderstand God sometimes. I think we completely misunderstand God. You know, we approach God like he's some far away mighty God that's unapproachable. Who doesn't feel anything that's going on down here. He just looks at our life with indifference. Can, can I tell you God's not like that? I just can't see God being like that. How do I know that? Well, the Bible says that we are created in God's image, right? So there's part of who we are. Now, it's been twisted by the fall. I get that. right? But we were created as emotional beings. We were created as needing a relationship with others. Right? God does not receive anything from us. He's God. He doesn't need anything from us, but He wants to be in relationship with us. 
But see, God is also, God is an emotional being. What do you mean? Well, look at some of the scriptures you read. Bible says that God joys over us. Well, joy is an emotion. Bible says that God is jealous. Jealousy is an emotion. Right? See, I think we go through our lives indifferent to how God feels. But can I tell you, if you haven't been in church for a while, I know there's a few people here today. Right? When you walk through those doors, God was not like, yep, in church, knew that was going to happen. God. No. I think God's there going, yes, they're there. Woo! Look, Gabriel, they're there. Come on, it's so exciting. He's emotional. He's excited. He's thrilled that you have come today. When you get on your knees, you roll out of bed in the morning, and we begin to pray. Right? And we think that, oh, we're just talking to God, and God's up there going, yep, okay, give me, your, give me what you need. I don't think God's like that at all. I think God is literally sitting there going, watching while you're sleeping. And he's looking at his watch. Come on now, I've still got two hours till they wake up. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I've still got half an hour. Come on, it's taking too long. And we roll out of bed. And the first thing we say is, good morning, Jesus. I'm so glad to be able to talk to you. He's like, yes, they're awake. I can talk to them now. That's what I believe God is like. I believe God is waiting for us to talk to Him. God is waiting for us to have a relationship with Him. And when we ignore Him and we walk out, I believe it hurts His feelings because He loves us and He cares for us. It doesn't change His feelings towards us. He still loves us, but He is longing to spend some time with you because He's a generous God. Because He is a generous God. Amen. Praise you, Jesus, as Sister Janie gets ready to play this morning. We're going to open up these altars. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you've been feeling like you're a long way from God. And maybe you just...